Oh God! Jesus! <laughs> Those things came out of nowhere. Do you think um? Do you think we should just bring like a real like calm kind of cool Sunday morning energy to this, especially the beginning because sure. we never do that. Um, is that because it's? I mean, I, I was like I'm saying, you know, it's not Sunday morning. <laughs> I know. I'm just okay. describing the energy. Uh, I'm all. I'm always for calm energy. Yeah, you, I've been you told I like, give off calm, between okay. the two of us. Someone, someone listened to this podcast. I don't know who. I can't remember if it was Kira's mom or someone said that I give off the a calmer energy than you, which was even, which was surprising. Cause I mean, that's like, that's like <laughs> holding up two ice cubes and being like, yeah. this one's a little bit colder. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> We're both pretty but, cool, pretty cool I mean, and calm, but you, um, you're the, you know, you're of the earth, you're a farm. That's man, true. And I'm out there like shucking and jiving. And like, I, <laughs> I can really turn on the extrovert for my job. And I think sometimes, yeah it kind of maybe carries over a little bit into this, into the podcast since I'm ostensibly the host, you know? Yeah, that's true. Talk first. This is also, this runs parallel to your job, which is you do zoom calls and stuff for your work. I don't oh, do yeah. this. I don't ever have to. So it, right the now. line is very, yeah, this is a very clear line. I put the headphones on. I'm like, I'm doing a podcast oh. to you. It's hard to not I'm maybe like, slip I'm back like, into I'm at, I'm at work and I'm talking to someone who is like a colleague, maybe, maybe an annoying mm-hmm. client. And I'm just mm-hmm. like in my in my zone. I'm, I'm trying to actively bring my cool, calm energy now. We've started, by the way. We started. Yeah, I, I def- we definitely did. I was just gonna say, did you feel when you came and worked on the farm last year that you left with more of a chill, cool vibe after one week of farming? <sighs> maybe. Or was that just the heat exhaustion? <laughs> that was maybe just the heat exhaustion. That was my dehydration. Yeah, uh, mostly affecting the my metabolism and my ability to speak quickly, but. uh yeah, was, uh, that was a whole year ago, wasn't it? Longer than a year ago. And more, it was last August. Do you miss it? The soil between your toes. Yeah, cutting myself the, with knives and the rocks in the buckets. <laughs> throwing rocks in buckets, all that good stuff. Hey Max, can I interest you in a check-in round question today? You uh, sure? I'll take a check-in round question. Please take a check-in round. All right, here we go. Check-in round question for us today. What were some of your favorite activities as a kid? Right. I saw this. Can we do a couple like like, different? Oh yeah. Do a couple. And I wonder, maybe I can only, maybe we can only do this one direction. I can answer what I think some of your favorite activities were (laughs) as a kid. I guess I was already a young man by the time you were forming, uh, memories. I've, 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 I can make guesses at what you're, I think my guesses would be funny. Let's do that. Sure. Sam, what do you think some of my favorite activities? Okay. Yeah. We'll go for each other (laughs) first. Then we'll each answer it. Well, your some of some of your favorite activities was just like putting on some sort of performance and making the rest of us watch you, and then getting this and then making us say yay. Yeah, which is I'm surprised that story hasn't been told more. It should have been the name of this podcast, the Say Yay Boys. It's called the Say Yay Boys. Uh, do you want to tell the story? I don't. I, mean, I don't know if I have all the details, but basically. Well, I think I have all the details. <laughs> you do it all the time. Yeah, because you were very, very young. Like it was like you were doing like a dance or like some sort of performance, and we weren't giving you the proper amount of accolades. And you would stand there and go, "Say yay, boys! Say yay!" And we'd all have to go, "Yay!" Yeah. I think I think the specific story that maybe is on video somewhere that I've, I don't think I've ever seen is that we used to have a toy room that had a had a couch in it, and I would stand on the couch on the back of the couch as my stage, and. Uh, 
the one that mom tells me that I used to perform often was the I would do jingle bells, but I do it really fast. I was I would kind of go like jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Hey, and I would say hey, and then I would go say yay, boys, to get my cheers and my response. And I hope I didn't do that many times in a row, but I'm sure it was a long performance. Oh, I'm sure it was a lot. I know another thing that you were really into. I think Joe uh, partook in this with you as well was uh, dancing and singing to Ricky Martin. <laughs> Ricky Martin. Backstreet Boys. Yeah. I think we were a Backstreet Boys family. Yeah, there was, this makes me and a little bit Joey sound way more extroverted and outgoing and like performative <laughs> than I really am. Like, I yeah, would, what happened? That was my biggest, <laughs> I think we used it all so young because that was my, my biggest nightmare is the thought of like, hey, get on stage and perform anything. <laughs> like, that's my anything. nightmare. Literally anything. <laughs> this, I mean, just talking to you, if we were actual podcasters who did a show on stage or anything, this alone would still be a lot for me. So I guess at a young age, I, I really burnt out. Did we um, traumatize you maybe? Could have been. Did we not could've say been. yay enough? <laughs> I think that's, I don't think I got the yays that I needed. And it's turned me into this more quiet, uh, introverted, organic farmer. Do you want, whose it, biggest, yeah. do you want, do you want a yay right now? I would love a yay right now. <laughs> yay! Thank you. That'll get me through. I'll get me through the episode. So those were young Max. I, those I feel like that was when I was like six to to yeah, I don't know five to eight maybe. Any other yeah. guesses of things I was into? Um, didn't you like digging stuff out of the yard? <laughs> just digging. If you didn't say it, I was going to say it. Boy, I love digging a hole. And As specifics all on young this, men do. I was in. That's kind of true. People love digging, digging in the dirt. But I was very into. Our dad is a, a geology major. Was very into geology and kind of passed yeah, that on man, to me. And the I man was love to talk to us about rocks. He did, and we would. Um, well, I guess it does. It makes it sound like he's dead. He's still alive, and he'll still talk to you about yeah, he, rocks. Yeah, he'll he'll work rocks in there for sure. And uh, I remember I was just really into geology for a period, and so I had like a rock hammer for breaking rocks open. I had the rock polisher thing, and my favorite thing to do was I just had this hole that I was digging in the way back where you are between these two pine trees. And I would kind of sift for all the rocks that were in there. And then I would take them up to the house at the end of the day and like spray them all off. And then if I thought they were cool, I would keep them as is. If I thought maybe there was something inside, I'd break What made it it a cool rock? Just just shiny and different, cool. You would be surprised the things that I dug out of our backyard. A lot of it was basalt, like very dark gray rock. three types of rock. Uh, uh, Sedimentary. No, not not categories. (laughs) Granite. Um, and <laughs> you know, the one that's that's the other one, the other third rock, the third rock that we have yeah. of this earth, that, that um, third Michigan rock. But there were there were some fossils I dug up that were like uh old, um, like with like coral and like you know, mm-hmm. aquatic things and, and stone that trilobites. was really cool. I definitely don't think I ever dug up an actual trilobite. Um, but you know, I had, I had some fun rocks that I dug up and that hole, yeah. uh, did stay back there for a long time. I think it actually became the fire pit that is now in mom and dad's backyard. Okay. It, it lived so on prepping, yeah. prepping the fire pit. Yeah. And, uh, I just love digging a hole. That yeah. one still holds true. What about nowadays? Do you like, you, you still into digging a hole or does that feel too much like work now? It feels a little bit like work. Um, you know, nowadays because I don't do it as much, any form of playing hockey counts as an activity because I don't do it that often yeah. anymore. Sure. Um, you know, the boring ones, you know, still very into reading. I will reading, say yeah. in line with digging a hole in the ground is um, throwing things in a creek. Uh, they, <laughs> yeah. they go hand in hand, I feel like. And there's you something about. Sound like, you sound like Tom Sawyer or like Huckleberry <laughs> Finn or some shit. I, uh, <laughs> Going on rafts yeah. down the river. 
well i just the creek behind the farm uh is it can be a one i will just stand oh, on this now oh still yeah i'm, I'm say, still what, into what that. sort of creeks were you coming across as a kid we didn't have like easy access to creeks but the ditch would flood occasionally right in the That's backyard turn and then we would that'd be fun and then we would build little boats for it and stuff and then we would like shoot bb guns at it and stuff try and sink each yeah. other's boats but nowadays no I, I enjoy standing and still throwing something in the creek it's just fun it's just something about it something about moving water that really uh I think the last one would be I was into I was really into Hot Wheels too. I spent a oh, lot of time oh, playing yeah, with Hot Wheels. Yeah, jamping jams. Um, yeah, jamping jams. I would just have all these little traffic jams down our hallway of yeah. Hot Wheels. Um, wait, wait, but that was probably. One, I mean, we were, I think we were all kind of into Hot Wheels. But I think the thing with you was you would get them all lined up in a traffic jam, and then you would like move one like three inches forward, and then you'd go down the line and move them all three inches. And yeah, forward. there's definitely were some things that mom and dad maybe should have seen a professional about, <laughs> and one of them was. I would also just like park the cars and make like a giant auto show with all the cars. And that didn't involve much moving, but I would like stage all the cars for the auto show. Yeah. Did the, would, was, your, uh, would your Puffkins go to the auto show? For sure. Puffkins would go to the auto yeah. show, Beanie Babies, whatever we had sitting around. I had a, I had a ton of stuffed animals as a kid. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little worried that there's some things that should have been looked into. Nice. Uh, yeah. a wholesome young man. <laughs> it was a wholesome. I was well-rounded. I, I played yeah. with Hot Wheels and I dug holes. Yeah. Yeah. You know? What more could you want? And you put on, you put on um, musical theater. Yeah, yeah, America's Child is what I really was. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. I feel like we really learned a lot about you there. You did. Yeah, we could do a whole episode. I think I did a pretty good job. For someone who has a very concussed brain and bad memory, I remembered some things about your childhood. Yeah. I mean, again, it helps that, you know, you were like aged, uh, what, 15 to 20 for these memories. So that helps. Uh, I'm going to be going ahead and working on things that I'm just going this based on. I don't know things that I think you were into. I'm gonna or, say. Or, I mean, or you could slightly change the question. What were my favorite activities? I guess as a teenager that you remember me as a kid, you as the kid. But I, I, however you want to take the question, go for it. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to remember how I would how I would define high school Sam. I really can never. The only thing I think about for high school Sam is some weird fashion choices and oh, the white car that you used to drive. That car was amazing. Eighty nine was Reliant, baby. Uh, it you, wasn't Betty. It wasn't cool. That, that's definitely how I would define uh, your high school self. Are you self. forgetting the subwoofer that that I had in the trunk? And I do remember that. The other speakers that I had in there. That that car bumped. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I would say I remember. And this checks out for our whole family. You were super into hockey cards as a kid. Oh yeah, you had and quite the binder collection. Right. The binder collection. Um, did you know that one of the things I was going to say to answer this question, one of my favorite things to do was to manually input information from hockey cards into a spreadsheet. That sounds like you're really preparing for adult life. That, I mean, <laughs> honestly, that entry. it sounds kind of kind of um, in the same genre of activity as your <laughs> jam and jam uh, sort of situation. Feudle. Feudle. <laughs> Feudle. Um, you know, a little, a little spectrumy potentially. Yeah. Uh, but I love, man. I want to know. I want my. I want a complete data set. This doesn't on the spreadsheet. It's not that far removed from current Sam, nope. uh, who is also known to love some information in a spreadsheet. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say that I know at a young age you dabbled in the uh, making your own website. Uh, didn't you? Didn't you have a have a Pokemon? No, it was a Pokemon. What was the website? Well, I had a couple different ones. Yeah, I had a Pokemon. Psyduck's Hangout. Oh, I forgot about yeah. that. Psyduck's <laughs> Hangout. Yeah. So, yeah, you were a, a, a child of uh, 
technology, apparently. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, what else? What else? I mean, I, I imagine a giant portion of your childhood was hockey-related. That's um, true. That was a, a larger-than-normal part of, of my childhood, for sure. I don't know. Any other, like, weird activities that uh, would uh, would I'm forgetting or that you would define your childhood with one weird thing yet. But uh, the main one I was going to do was the hockey card typing in. I also just, even if I wasn't going to just type them in the spreadsheet, I loved coming up with new organizational systems for my hockey Mm. cards. So sometimes you would do them by like number of the set. Sometimes I'd want to have all the teams together. Sometimes I'd do it like by stats. And um, mom was such a trooper. She, cause I would, I I like to get her involved and have her help Mm -hmm. me. And she would do it sometimes. Um, and then I, I, I vaguely remember one time, like she somehow like successfully like begged off. She's like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Like, I don't remember what she said. It was nicer than that. But I remember, yeah. I think it was like one of those like formative, like kind of memories. And you're like kind of moving from like young childhood into like yeah. you know, teenagerdom. I was like, yeah, why would she want to do this? This is insane. <laughs> Well, then you remember, wait a minute, she's a mother of five. She has yeah. four she other kids. She doesn't want to kids. get on the ground with me with all my hockey cards and put them in a new arbitrary order. Like, yeah. of course. Dad, what a trooper, really. Because <laughs> all of us, I think, probably were pulling her to try and do something like that. Dad, meanwhile, had perfected me over there with the Hot Wheels and his passive play, and I was just driving. He would just make – I would just drive over him, you know, and treat him like part of the uh, the terrain for my Hot Wheels. So um, yeah. now that I think about it, man – People always ask, like, you know, growing up with four older brothers, or like, you guys fight all the time and like wrestle and like, it must have been crazy in your house. And I was like, now that we're talking about our activities as kids, Sam was organizing his, <laughs> his hockey cards by last name. And I was doing a, tra- a traffic jam, and Joey was reading or memorizing all. I remember Joey used to know all the Pokemon heights and weights and stuff. Joey used to be able to tell yeah. you everything about a Pokemon. Yeah. And you, between Nate painting his mini figurines and Louie probably yeah. reading, we were we were not doing much. <laughs> the one time, though, where I think we maybe stepped into a little bit more of the stereotypical young boy family is mini sticks. Yeah, I was going to say the trampoline, too, because when we got the trampoline, it turned oh, yeah. a little violent. You were a little older but, for that. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it was mini sticks. The memories of mini sticks, because that got serious, because there were no obvious – like so usually the couch would be the goal, right? However, you need goalposts. But there's no, like, really obvious, like, where the goalpost is and is not. So we spent so much time arguing over whether it was a goal or whether it hit the goalpost. It yeah. would get It would get intense. It is pretty much, I think, the only time I can think of any major confrontation. I think, you know, if there was ever a slap fight, it happened over Ministicks. <laughs> <laughs> also, playing in that hallway, playing Ministicks in yeah. that hallway with, like, one person can fit going each way. We loved that, though. Have you walked in that hallway recently? I cannot believe I we as kids <laughs> played in there. I know. Be like two on two, a uh, two on two game. Yeah, and there were great the bells up on the shelf. Yeah, breakable things for sure. I know. I, mean, I can't believe we didn't break any of those bells. We must have broken. We did. Ones. Yeah, I think we broke a couple, maybe like one yeah. or two. But it could have been worse. Could have been so much worse. <laughs> Can we just, we just reminisce about our childhood for this entire episode? <laughs> I think there's nothing people would like more than mm-hmm. is to hear things that they can't fully relate to. But 
you know, our brothers we're so can. Lovable, but we're so lovable. That's true. And our brothers yeah. can actually, actually, 90% of the people listening to this podcast right now can absolutely relate because they were there. They were there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they have their, but they're sitting at home yelling because they have their own we're, stories or things yeah, that we're missing. Yeah, we're getting it. it wrong. Yeah. If you have a different uh, way that you would answer this question, uh, write us an email. We actually do have an email that I made a long time ago and I can't remember what it is. Yeah. I think it might be field That's good. podcast at gmail.com. I don't know. Email sure. me. Sam Someone sent an email to that. <laughs> share uh, a story. Yeah, share share a story. We'll read it on. <laughs> um, I guess we yeah, Max, we can we can break off on? from sharing it. What's going on? It's been a, it's only, been a minute. Only, only if you feel checked in. If you don't feel checked in, yeah. we'll do another and do another twenty. <laughs> we can do another. T- do a tight twenty. Uh, I feel checked in. I guess I'll I'll call it uh, fully right. checked in. Um, unless something dawns on me while we're talking about another activity that we yeah, missed. We'll come back. Case, to we'll it. circle. We'll circle back. We'll circle back. We'll put a pin in it. Yeah. And we'll come back around. Yeah. As corporate speak, I've heard. Yeah. Um, thanks. Uh, things are things are going good. The farm. I think last time we had chatted, I was just ch- talking about summer kind of coming to an end, and you know, it was, it was early and, September. Yeah, and so I guess in reality, it can still feel very much like midsummer down here at times. Um, but we were kind of approaching fall, and it hit like a freight train. I mean, we. The one main thing I would say for the past month has been, last year we had our first like hard frost you know the frost that's like kills all your peppers kills your okra like that means it gets below 32 and it stays there for a little bit um we had our first one this year october 9th and that's what on par for like what michigan's usually is really um last i think last year we oh hi mozzarella you're done with your peanut butter okay um but this year yeah so last year it was it was mid-november i was picking okra into november and it you know I was just, it felt like nothing had changed. It didn't feel like fall was really here. It was kind of frustrating to me as someone who liked fall that we were not yeah, getting I, re- any I, re- cold I weather. distinctly remember you being like, is this ever going to end? Like, yeah. I, my, my off season is getting shorter and shorter. Yeah. And it was, so last year it felt really, you know, drawn out. And um, as frustrating as it was at the time farming in it, I, it was good because things were putting out a lot of growth because we were having warm days. Right. Things were, you know, lasting longer, you know, not the peppers, which died from that mystery disease, but other things were holding on longer. And this year, I mean, by uh, the first weekend of October, it all frosted and pretty much, you know, I'd say 80% of that stuff that um, is pretty susceptible died. And which I, you know, kind of prepared for, I went out and picked what I could uh, off the plants. And then since then we've had two or three more like really heavy frosts. And uh, so all of the summer crops are, are fully done here, um, which still feels early. You know, it's not when I was doing this stuff last year. I planted garlic today, which was a couple weeks earlier than last year. Uh, the farm just looks radically different than it did at this time last year. So um, it's good and bad. You know, it does kind of bring my season to a close quicker. And in a time of transition where I'm trying to figure things out and whatnot, having more free time is not a bad uh, a bad thing as I'm trying to decide, you know, where are we moving and what, you know, what farms to apply to and things like that. I'm kind of happy it frosted as fast as right. it did. Um, but I'm also, you know, a little shorter on produce than I was, you know, maybe the year before at this time, but, but you don't have a fall not- CSA or anything that you have to prepare for. Right. No. So kind of, as we talked a little bit about the weird random pests and endless things that have been bothering the farm for the past, uh, two months that were not things I was expecting. Um, I basically kind of saw the writing on the wall that I didn't think I was going to have enough variety to make a fall CSA possible or worth people's money. I felt like I could give them the amount every week, but they'd be sick of arugula and like bok choy by the end of it. So I thought, you know, 
I won't do this to people. I'll just really up, up the online store. Um, we had the one farmer's market and then October was has been filled with events on the farm. And half of those events, at least, we set up a farm stand at. Mm. Um, just some mixed success. But a lot of those events, too, were cooking things going on, whether that was a, a, a charity dinner. And the one charity dinner that the chefs used all the vegetables they could from the farm. So it was a nice. giant order of produce from here. Um, so there's, I've moved a lot of stuff still. It's not like yeah. we're not making sales. It's just that um, in reality, like I couldn't do the fall CSA because we moved things quicker than I thought we were going to. Like I yeah. thought we'd have onions and things like that. And we just don't, you know, we've, we've sold most of them. So a good problem to have. Yeah. Do you have handy the finances, the finances of this year as compared to last year? Yeah. So we've talked a bit about it. Um, I think last year I said, I know you were uh, way is, ahead this year compared to last year. Yeah. So I think I said what it was like, it was like July when we had matched last year's sales or something, which was a huge part to um, launching the CSA and, you know, for doing, we did two sessions of the CSA that would have been, I think roughly uh, let's see. I can't remember exactly how much it would have been. I think it was about $9,000 from CSA stuff, give or take, which is a huge increase if you didn't do that the year before. Um, but as of now, uh, last season was like 23000 or so. Um, yeah, just over 23000 And that's just like produce sales. And we miss things. This is through Square where we try and track, but I'm sure we miss things here and there. And um, So give or take, it was around $23,000. we are sitting at... Uh, just over 33,000 right now. Nice. So it's a, you know, a sizable uptick and for not really changing staffing all that much. I mean, I did have Kira come on to help with the CSA stuff and, yep. you know, she was getting paid out by the farm part-time through uh, a decent part of the year, but most of her time has been spent actually getting all these events going. Um, so we didn't do anything. I didn't add a full-time employee or anything to make those, sales go up. We just moved produce a lot better this year. And I would say had a worse growing season in actual produce. Like what came out of the ground was maybe actually almost less than last year. Um, like today I put on the notes, like we harvested sweet potatoes today, but that was a, I mean, that was more of just to rip the field and make it clean so that we can do something else with it. You know, 10 pounds of sweet potatoes or something where last year, what they say, I was like, I can't remember, it was like 500 pounds of sweet potatoes. And wait, that you know, all the sweet potatoes you got was 10 pounds. Yeah. What the heck? What happened? It's, it's one of those days. It's one of those one of those farming days where you're just like very frustrated because one, I knew it was coming for so long. Like these have been in the ground forever, and we planted them uh, with a kids group in mid June when I planted them last year, like early uh -huh. June, and it was really hot. And you know, some some died in the heat, and we've replanted the other ones and watered them in. And about two weeks after we planted them, from then on began the war with things eating them. So you know tried covering them, tried putting electric fence around them. But I think between the, it was the groundhog for a while and then rabbits got in there. And then when we were digging up some of them today, last year I found that giant snake in the patch, oh, right. which was terrifying for me as an individual, but was good for the farm um, because it was actually doing some pretty good pest management. Right. Snakes don't eat sweet potatoes. They don't. And I did not see any sign of a snake in this field. And it was noticeable because there were actual, there was damage to a lot of uh, some of the sweet potatoes we found from field mice or voles or whatever you want to you know. Yeah. So that was a bit of frustrating, you know, endeavor. So it was one of those things where they're not a giant moneymaker for us too. So early in the season, right. as I saw that they were doing poor, like 
there wasn't much else that I could do other than like right. installing a really intense metal fence just around the sweet potatoes or something to high cost and labor and time. And I didn't have the time to try and save sweet yeah. potatoes when I felt like I should be, you know, cutting greens where I make, I could probably make the amount of money we made from sweet potatoes last year, like one day harvesting arugula and something else, you know? Yeah. So we do it because of the variety, not because it's a giant moneymaker. So, yeah. you know, things like that happen <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, you know, it was a tough season and it's been a tough season. So that 32 or 33 number, I feel like had the potential to be a lot higher. Um, if yeah. some of the things paid off that we were trying, you know, um, every year you have crops that do nothing this year being sweet potatoes being one, but then you have things that did really well. Like we've had great salad greens throughout the year and we had great basil. Um, tomatoes were terrible again. Um, but you know, we had good peppers and eggplant this year. We didn't have that disease as much. So at least yeah, in the yeah, field that I planted them in. Disease, yeah. So we had moved the peppers to a different spot and that didn't happen. So did we you did plant get anything get some in that peppers. spot where the peppers were last year? Just uh, salad greens. I did things that grew for, you know, my, my mindset was what I had read about this disease was, you know, at the time we talked about it, you know, there wasn't much you can do to, to fix right. it other than give it time, you know, five years or so of planting nothing um, on a farm like this. That's hard to do. So mm -hmm. my mindset was it took a while for it to, come to fruition on the peppers you know the pe those plants were beautiful when you were here that, that ripen faster yes so the, you know you saw those pepper plants looked great and then the peppers themselves were gross yeah. like it's what happened so you know i knew those peppers had been in the ground for a couple months at that point so i decided to take that field and turn it into my like quick baby greens field and so those plantings were in the ground for you know three to five weeks before they're out and it worked i mean i got really good greens out of them i didn't see any signs of that disease in them if it was there uh, at least wasn't fast acting enough to catch anything like that. So and now it's is that just in in the in the greens and it manifests <laughs> later. And uh God, I hope not. And you know, <laughs> as it, it's <laughs> but it was, you know, is that maybe a little bit of just of uh, kicking the ball? <laughs> just, yeah, that's you know, smart that's smart farmering right there. It tried to be, and you know, who knows, maybe if you grow a mixture of things on that area for a while that aren't in the family where we were seeing the disease before, you, maybe it will go down um, with time. It's one of those things that I think if the longer I was here, the more I would keep an eye on it. But, you know, right. we worked our way around it for this season. So the financials are better. Um, I felt pretty good about this season and I felt like the waste was really low. Um, and we had some, you know, early in the year, we had that new airport wholesaler that we were selling to. Mm. Um and we kind of fell off that in the summer when the CSA really picked up and um, we haven't picked back up with them. But, you know, at the time it was a, it was a great outlet for decent sales every week. Um, so yeah, you okay with you're giggling. You <laughs> <laughs> poured water all over yourself. <laughs> I was trying to figure out like, what did I say that was funny? I was trying to play it off like no big deal, but it's very <laughs> obvious on my gray shirt now. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so that's kind of where we're at right now. We're we're definitely in uh, the wind down season. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I mean, we still have things in the ground for sure. There's still, you know, both hoop houses are planted. And there's quite a few fields still in the uh, that have stuff going on. But I think at this point, we're kind of getting everything we can harvested. I think Thanksgiving is always kind of an arbitrary last day. Yeah. Um, and especially since we're going to be in a weird transition this year of if a new farmer comes in or not and any type of overlap, I think it might just be a put the feet, put the farm to bed, give or take and let it sit for the next person to come uh, pick up where I left off. So gotcha. we'll see. That's cool. 
And any progress on what the next thing is going to be? Not really. So at, at the, I don't think we talked about, did we talk about any of the farms I applied to last time? I, I couldn't so, remember. Like Michigan State, I yeah. thought there was something, and some things on the East Coast maybe. I yeah, so I think exactly. at, at that point I had applied to three, um, which is pretty much all I still applied to at this point because um, things have just been so busy this month. Michigan State, I just got a rejection letter from them. Just no, no interview, no nothing. I was kind of surprised. And, yeah, You're surprised and bummed. I know. I thought not maybe. Wait, so I hope you, you should send them a strongly worded letter that says, you taught me this and I'm not good enough now? What does that <laughs> say about you? I think the only thing I can hope for that would make me feel a little better is uh, it's a bigger farm and they have some people on staff I know who've been there a while, like working yeah. as like a, you know lower managers. And I think maybe they ended up hiring from within. But I was pretty bummed about that one because it was a good location. It was a, a cool opportunity. It was, you know, salaried with benefits, which is... Yeah, uh, carries a lot of weight uh, in the farming world. Um, and it doesn't hurt to be tied to a university, yeah. but uh, so that one that one fell through. You know, I'm still looking to. They have a lot of farming stuff come up every now and then, so I'm hoping maybe something could still appear for Michigan State. But then um, the other one was in Connecticut. It was a similar farm that did a lot of events and farm to table dinners and things like that. And North, oh yeah, we talked about this Norfolk, Connecticut, north north uh, western corner. In the yep. Berkshires area, and they, this was a little, this one was frustrating. They they offered me the job, and it was just at a time where I we haven't seen it. You know, we hadn't had a chance to get out there to see it, and we both, Kira and I, both felt more comfortable if we could actually see the area. We don't know if we're moving into a really isolated rural area as people in their late twenties who, you know, right. would like to have some level of social interaction with other people, especially coming off COVID and times when we felt like we didn't do that much here. And there was just a lot of unknown and I was trying to get them to kind of wait as long as that they, as they would, um, you know, there were some emails back and forth of asking them to kind of give me more time and they wanted an answer, wanted an answer. And, um, we actually were getting, we drove to Orlando last weekend for, uh, a friend's 30th where we went to Harry Potter world. And we were kind of like, we were packed in a way where we were considering, if they got back to me and said that the farm job was still available, that we would drive road trip it up to Connecticut to see it and just have some fun with it and go see this farm. And they got back to me and said that, you know, they had hired another candidate yeah. and they did. And so I get, I understood, but at the same time I was like a little frustrated because I felt like it wasn't like they were trying to have me start November 1st. It was a, right. it was a start. It wasn't a start position until at the earliest December 1st, but realistically probably the new year. And I know they would just want, you know, no one likes loose ends and they want to get yeah. things wrapped up and understand their budget for the next year. But I was like hoping that they would kind of hold out a little bit longer um, so that we could go see what it was all about. But so now we're back to square one and I'm trying to just keep my eye out. And, and uh, so that's, actually, I know that's more. actually a good sign. Like they wanted to give you the job. It's not like they were like, yeah, kick rock. No, we, 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 we had, uh, yeah, they, we were not as silent as Michigan State was. No, I had like two to three Zoom calls with the, the yeah. hiring manager there, the person that was hiring, and they kind of showed me the farm, and we talked back and forth about what their vision was for the farm. And just at the end of one of the Zoom calls, they said uh, they wanted to, you know, they wanted to hire me, and I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, I need you know time to talk this over. I'm not deciding just you know for me anymore, like I used yeah. to. Yeah, old Max would be like, great. <laughs> See you December first. Yeah. I'll pack up my car, and here I come. Um, but you know, I think I'm at past the point of where I can just keep flying around like that by the seat of my pants. And so we'll see. We're we're back in the we're back in the hunt. Michigan's still pretty high on the the list. Um, 
just the idea Where do you of find like, jobs it, like like farm jobs like this. There's not many good sources for them. If you really want to like get deep down in the swamp of it, you can go on to uh, Indeed and, and like just look at these farm manager positions because some farms do post there. But my number one spot is there's a website called Good Food Jobs, all one word, um, and it's uh, a job posting for for farms and so for you're be looking in Virginia. Yeah, I mean, we look. That would be it would be Kira's dream if I found a cool farm job outside DC. Um, so spread your network, reach into your network. Yeah, of DC. I gotta, I'll make a note right now. I mean, the 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 woman who runs that um, really nice restaurant, they have all sorts of farm relationships. I'm sure. Um, yeah, a former client of mine. So I'll see if she's aware of anything for you. So yeah, we're I'm, I frequent that website a lot. I mean, it's a lot of uh, chef and hospitality jobs as well. Um, so yeah. it's not just farming, but really, there's not a great spot. There's like some weird. There's still like an email list serve. Like we're in like the mid 2000s that goes out nice. that I'm a part of for East coast farm jobs and you know, but the, the hard part is with farming is it's, I feel like it's at least 50 plus percent of word of mouth, you know, yeah. hiring other farmers in the area, talking to other people in the area. Um, and then, you know, the watering hole. Yeah. The last resort is you go to the, you go to the internet and you look for somebody there. So <laughs> I'm hoping that some more stuff comes up on there um, because you know, there are jobs out there, but, I'm ready to try and step up a little bit more in pay and, you know, try and stay above that poverty line. And so it'd be great. <laughs> that if I, I'm trying to hold Shoot myself to that standard. Shoot for the stars, yeah. Max. <laughs> yep. That's kind of my mindset. So, uh, well, I'm sure there'll be updates as we continue to chat throughout the winter here, but the main plan is, is to finish things up here and then do my old reliable, which is, is UPS. So, um, LUPS through the holidays and then that'll buy me enough time to hopefully be in the, the moment of farms posting jobs. So we'll see. I, I, I just went on good food jobs and I put in my um, zip code. We have a director of agriculture for a brewery. Yeah, I saw that. I don't think I'm qualified. Okay. That's, that's close enough. That's close you enough like, too. I saw that job. You, you like beer. It's within I do, they, I have the 30 mile radius one set. So it's huh. in Maryland, but yeah, they, uh, I actually, that's funny. Cause I looked at that job today. Cause I think it was posted in the past day or two. Oh, oh, really? Um, yeah, it's a really recent, uh, they, they, and maybe I can learn this. That's not like I'm incapable of learning new things. It's um, all plants, do, hops, all vegetables. <laughs> who cares? This is well. This isn't even hops. They do a lot. They have a lot of apple and pear trees. I think. Oh, okay. That they do too. That they want you to manage. But you know, it also mentioned vegetables. So who knows? Sometimes people say that. Like, you know, when I took this job at this farm, they're like, we have a persimmon. You know, these persimmon trees and. Uh, those persimmon trees aren't managed. Now that's partly my doing because I don't have the time to manage them. <laughs> Sometimes people put things on a job posting and it turns out they have like eight, you know, there's eight apple trees that I need to learn on. 2,500 square foot garden that they mentioned it right there. This is this job with your name all over it, man. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll look more into it. You know, I'm not against it. I did see that. We could wow. What? 125, neighbors. 125 a year. <laughs> yeah, one twenty five a year. Yeah, yeah. classic starting farmer budget for salary. Yeah, <laughs> the brewery is killing it. Well, you know, if you hear anything, send it. Send it my way. Let me know. I would do so. Um, what about you? You've been you've been a traveling. You've been been on that old yeah, road. Not, so you've been on the boat. It's not been about work though. So we can't talk about it here. We only talk about sure. Work here. Oh, <laughs> did you listen to the first thirty minutes? Of this? Uh, yeah, we uh, about work. Emily and I finally went on our honeymoon. We got married in at the end of May, which Woo! we did a whole episode about a long time ago. But yeah, we did yep. not go on our honeymoon uh, because 
we were just busy over the summer. And also her brother, AJ, uh, was getting married in Spain October 1st. So we decided we're going to have to go to Europe anyway for his wedding. Maybe we could combine that trip with our honeymoon and kind of do it all in one go. Uh, and that is what we did. So we went on a cruise in the Mediterranean, starting in Rome and then hitting a bunch of places in the Mediterranean and then ending back in Rome, flying over to Barcelona, then driving two hours north to La Scala, Spain for his wedding, which was pretty sweet. It was nice to get a break from work and uh, travel around a little bit. Any, any highlights, any cool things, good foods, cool sights? Lots of good foods. This uh, Spanish wedding, man, 12, like basically 12 hours straight. Started at noon, ended around midnight. So much good food. They had, I guess apparently the caterer for the wedding was some sort of like celebrity chef in Spain. I didn't know him, but apparently others did. And the way I've been describing it to people is like, if I think about like the 10 best meals or like types of food or because food experiences that I've ever had five of them were from that one day were just from really? the wedding like there were like five of the best things that I've ever eaten probably at this wedding it was insane insanely good we should talk uh, about that list someday that you that you have in your mind yeah I mean it's not, a, it's not an actual list that I've written down yeah. but maybe I could I don't know it was pretty pretty great what else is on there is Blue Hill on there or no Blue Hill's probably on there yeah um Probably some various like ready dinners that we've done from retreats and stuff, um, but then the, some of the food from this one was uh, insanely good. Uh, but the cruise itself was great. Um, cruises um, are an interesting experience. Basically, you know, frictionless life for a week. Literally, there's like nothing that you have to like worry about or think about or like do, and that's pretty nice. Um, spent a lot of time sitting out uh on the uh on the lounge chairs doing some reading pretty great get sunburned did not get sunburned it was actually um well maybe i did a tiny bit but it was the last cruise of the year in the mediterranean for this company so actually the first couple of days were pretty warm but not overly warm and we had a couple kind of cool rainy days uh as well so it wasn't that hot gotcha yeah nice um the, probably the coolest thing from the cruise was um, for the Naples stop. Uh, we it was the one excursion we did where we paid the um, cruise company to like do a thing, and what it was was basically a bus ride down um, the Amalfi Coast, so the coast of Italy there, yeah. which is this incredible like landscape. Um, and more, the most incredible thing was the driver of our bus just careening down these tiny little roads in this huge charter bus. It was the most impressive display of driving I've ever seen. Me and all the other middle-aged men on this bus, that was we're the all thing we were most impressed by. We were like, yeah. we like, screw this beautiful view. Look at this driver. Look at this maniac. He's doing an amazing <laughs> job. Um, it was very cool. Um, did did you ever fear, fear for your life at all? Nah, not really. I feared for other people's lives, yeah. but not ours. You were the bigger bus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so like, it's a couple hours to go down the coast there, and you end up in a little town called Amalfi, uh, where we then walked around for a bit. And then um, we got on a ferry to go from Amalfi to another city a little bit further down the coast called Sorrento. And then Sorrento, we got back on the bus and took the highway back to basically the bus. But on the way, we stopped at Pompeii and walked around Pompeii for a couple of hours. Nice. Um, which was really cool. I did not realize how big Pompeii actually is. 
It was. Yeah, I don't think I have any mental image of how big of a place it is. I think the best way to think about how big it is is like think about like the Detroit Zoo, but all yeah. that you can walk through. Hmm. Yeah. That's pretty good size. Pretty big, right? Like you could spend like yeah. a day walking through it and not see necessarily all of it. Um, and then, yeah, there were a couple other spots that we went, but I'm going to bring you in on a little secret, a little secret just between me and you. I yeah. got to get off the boat in a couple of spots. Oh, nice. Because I does didn't Emily, want to. Does Emily think you did? No. <laughs> this no, is no, no okay. <laughs> Emily didn't either. Oh, actually, one yeah. time Emily got off the boat that I did not in Majorca. Um, yeah. and then the other two spots where I didn't get off the boat, she didn't either. Yeah. It was kind of rainy and... You know, yeah, exactly. And it's not like it's not like you get off the boat and are like right there in these two locations. You have to get off the boat and then get on a shuttle to like go to the yeah. city. And the second one, you had to get on a get on a shuttle to the train station and then an hour to either Pisa or two hours to Florence on a rainy day. I'm not doing that. I'm sitting by the pool. Exactly. This kind of vacation. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, but it was great. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, and then my other travel last week, we went to Miami for the Reddy's retreat, uh, which was really good. Um, Miami was actually, I mean, it wasn't that it was nice. Like the first two days we were there and then the last day and a half was pretty rainy and cold. Um, it was a good retreat. It's good to see everyone. We're, you know, it's so wild to like look back on our first retreats of, as a company to now when we have like. 40 something people and we go i'm always the first person to dinner so like i get there and i can see like the huge long table set up or like our for our second dinner we literally rented out the entire restaurant it was a a a one-star michelin restaurant just for us for our dinner um that's bougie i like it it was real good it was it was insanely good so you've been eating incredibly well this sounds like this past month I'm pretty jealous. I mean, of I'm, your... I'm always eating pretty well. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I should say quality food. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a good food a good food month or so uh, for me. What kind of restaurant was the one in uh, Miami? It was called Stubborn Seed. You would have. I mean, it was, it was like you know all farm to table, really like local yeah. stuff. Um, it was it was crazy good, crazy good, and then. Yeah, the retreat was good. I mean, I don't know how much detail to really go into here. It'd probably be kind of boring, but we um, doing kind of like a strategic shift of the ready a little bit, um, and like not in a way that is probably really going to be visible to clients or anyone on the outside necessarily, but more mm-hmm. so kind of internally how we are thinking about our work and how we talk about it and how we sell it, um, trying to get a little bit more crisp in how we deliver the work to um, make it easier to sell, to make it easier to hire people to do the work, to make it easier to train people. I mean, basically for all of the Ready's existence, um, we've all been generalists of some sort. Like none of us are necessarily experts. It's been less true more recently, but Generally, none of us are uh, experts in like in any like one specific area. Like, I'm not an HR expert, I'm not a hiring expert, anything like that. And our projects would be um, quite general and open ended, um, which is why you need generalists to to deliver that. But it's hard to sell. It can be hard to sell projects like that because it's hard to really point to 
specifically like what they are buying. So you kind of mm-hmm. need to like have the right person who has a lot of trust in us and our process to like go ahead and do that, which we've been able to do that to a decent amount. But if we want to scale more, it needs to be easier for people to say yes to us, which means it needs to be simpler um, about what we are actually selling. Um, and then on the kind of hiring and training side, it's been hard to hire people to do this work because you need to be like a really skilled generalist to be able to to do it. And if you're um, you know, if you're not necessarily, if you don't necessarily have those skills, it's also hard to necessarily train somebody up in like all of the different um, areas. So we're trying yep. to basically, we're kind of really putting a flag in the ground around the idea of future of work and, and, and really selling projects that are like the future of HR or the future of strategy or the future of governance and having a kind of more prescriptive take about what the future of this thing actually is and will help you get there. Whereas mm-hmm. the way we've done the work up to this point, it's primarily been really emergent and, you know, like we'll come in, we'll see what's going on and like we'll do some experiments and we don't know what the experiments are necessarily going to be. We'll figure it out together. Um, but we've been doing this long enough that we do kind of have a sense of like what the actual thing is that orgs should be moving towards. So we're going to try to like, put some more meat on the bones uh, for that stuff. So the retreat was really around like trying to understand this shift in how we're doing this stuff and what it means for things that we're selling right now and projects that are going on right now. Um, So it felt good in the sense that the retreat was really focused on like a specific thing that we needed to do as a company, an important strategic thing, which it's not to say that other retreats aren't necessarily that, but I don't know that I've ever been to a retreat that was so hyper focused on like a yeah. specific challenge that we needed to work through as a company. <laughs> so that was good. And then we also just didn't overpack the retreat. That's how we we normally put way too much stuff in. So we really had like we traveled on Monday, Monday night, we got dinner together. That was the only thing that we had to do. Tuesday we worked from like nine to three and then from three to dinner, we went to the beach. Um, that was like our activity. We usually like one activity. So we just went to the beach because we were right on the beach there. And then dinner was like, choose your own adventure, figure it out with whoever you want to go have dinner with mm-hmm. Wednesday. Then was a full day of work. Then our second, like really nice, uh, dinner. And then most people flew out like Thursday morning. There was like one subgroup of folks who had to meet Thursday morning and I was not part of that group. So I was able to leave at like 10 o'clock. Yeah. So, Pretty sweet. Nice. Good. Um, two things. So one, does that mean that you guys are working on the people that are within the ready currently? Like, are people kind of trying to now specialize in a thing? Like, are you trying to become somebody that does a thing either that whether that's what your skill is actually in or what your interest is in, or are you kind of getting to stay as generalist as and new hires come in with a more of a specialty, or you know, like how does that get navigated? Yeah, I think it's a little bit a little bit TBD on that. I mean, the one thing is that although we are all generalists, we've each developed some expertise in various areas just based on the projects that we've worked on. So like yeah. because of my last project, I've done a ton of strategy work and I have like takes and thoughts about kind of what a future of strategy product would look like for us. So I will probably end up being a part of the team that is working on something like that. So we're going to bring in some subject matter experts, but also kind of partner them with people from the ready to really craft that offering. Um, so there's mm-hmm. that, that role is going to need to be filled by people who have been at the ready for, for a while. And I think there's an element of, we're not going to like 
just drop all of our current projects and shift them into this new thing. So anything that's yeah. currently ongoing is going to keep going. And I'm on a project right now that is hopefully going to go on for a while, which is kind of a more bespoke sort of thing. Um, and that's not necessarily going to change anytime soon. You guys still look to, to you still sell yourselves at all? Or if a company is looking for a bespoke thing that you still try and fill that, or are you kind of, not looking that way going forward with clients. Like, do you still offer that as a thing for them? Are there companies out there that want that emergent, like intense hands-on approach? Not really. I think, I think so. Um, I think there is a kind of generic future of transformation sort of angle, which it would be Mm -hmm. basically kind of what we're doing right now that I think we can do a better job packaging so that it's more repeatable and more scalable, basically meaning like, it's not completely started from scratch based on whoever's working on the project. Like the project I'm working on right now could kind of be a future of transformation project. Um, And if I am good at kind of documenting and packaging what I'm doing for this project, somebody in the future who has a similar sort of situation should be able to like take a bunch of that stuff that I'm making and doing right now and be able to do that work without having to reinvent it um, from scratch. So um, I think, I think that will be a thing that we continue to explore, but I think in our experience, it has really taken like a lot of arm twisting to get people to want that. Um, so I'm guessing that it's going to be easier for people to say yes to a different thing that actually scratches the itch that they have a little bit better. Yeah. I have to imagine a lot of those bigger and older companies don't necessarily feel like they have the bandwidth or the time to like have a consultant come in and do this, like let's figure it out as we go kind of approach. And I feel like a lot of these companies probably want you to come in and, I don't know. I'm sure they're all about like efficiency and time and don't want to give you too much of their time if they're not fully invested in what you're trying to do. There's definitely an element of, of that. I think the thing that we have definitely learned is that it requires buy-in from the client as well. Like the type Mm -hmm. of work and the type of change that we try to bring to organizations cannot just be done by the consultants. They need like equal or more buy-in on the, on the client side. So like we've definitely fired clients because they weren't willing to give us that. Um, and we try to do a better job of setting those expectations up front now so we don't get into a situation where it's like, what are we even doing here? Like, you're not coming. We're like, we're, we're basically, we're physical trainers and you're not coming with us to the gym. So, like, what do you expect yeah. to be different here? Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah. And then I don't know what it's exactly going to mean for our DAO stuff. Um, I, we're still a little bit unclear on that. To my, when- my partner and I were initially thinking we were going to kind of ramp up. Um, like we basically get like 15 K a month from the ready to do DAO stuff. And we weren't spending anywhere near that for the last couple of months. So we were going to spin up a couple of new jobs within the DAO circle and pay some of our colleagues to do some specific things. I think we're going to pause that for now because I don't know that it necessarily aligns with the kind of strategic changes that we're looking to, to do. Um, so we're going to keep it smaller than we were initially thinking for now. And we're, honestly, there's just not a lot happening in the DAO space right now. So it's hard to justify kind of dropping that, um, money on it, um, to not really see much of a result probably. Is the goal to, cause I know you said they, a lot of the times, you know, it seems like a DAO is very similar to just any regular organization in terms of how you can approach it or the kind of things that they need done do is the hope that, you know, these specialists and things that you guys kind of work on crafting at the ready could just be applied to a DAO or will there still be people specifically that are like, you know, this is what they do. They are 
usually always working with DAOs or company, you know, more unique kind of, I don't know, whatever you want, whatever that world you want to call it. I think it's both actually. I think there are, I could certainly see, and we've done a little, some stuff with DAOs where it does feel kind of like just a normal project. But yeah. you need to have a little bit of understanding of the crypto and Web3 space to really understand the differences. So one of the things we're going to potentially do with the DAO circle is kind of turn it into a community of practice at the ready. So anybody who wants to feel equipped to do work with DAOs, we're, one to, we're an opportunity to come up. We would look for the people who are in that community of practice, kind of meeting regularly to discuss and get experience with the crypto and DAO world as mm. the people to staff that project. Um, and then I think there's a part of the strategy that I didn't talk about is we've we're trying to do some we're trying to be smarter about audience segmentation, like who are we actually selling to? And there's kind of four different quadrants um, that we think are at play here. Um, so one quadrant we're calling prime, which is kind of like the more bespoke stuff that we've been doing and the project I'm working on right now, I think kind of fits into that. Um, reinvent is kind of like our really like large transformation projects where we'll have, that's where we would be selling the future of X, future of HR, future of planning, future of strategy, all of those sorts of projects would live in there. But then we would also have kind of self-serve, um, stuff. So tools, templates, other materials that someone could pay us for and then go use on their own organization. And then there's like mm. the edutainment side of things like writing, social media, people who um, aren't super aware of the space, but there's like teaching that we can do uh, around it. So especially those last two things are very relevant to DAOs, uh, I think. And then that first one that I mentioned, that prime space could kind of be the DAO sort of work that we've been doing um, so far. But we'll see. It's still kind of very up in the air how it should all fit together with what we're trying to do. Beans. Yeah. See, look at that. You had work stuff to talk about. I guess so. I guess so. I feel like I needed some like visuals, some slides to talk to. Yeah. Oh, well. I just had to use my my beautiful words to create pictures of slides in your head. Exactly. That's what podcasting is, baby. Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's just it's just presentations without slides. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, cool. people choose to listen to it. Yeah. Um, are we done? Yeah, I don't know if anything else important going on. We covered the bases, I think. You want to talk more about childhood? Yeah, let's talk more about childhood. <laughs> what um, what was your favorite childhood dinner? Uh, we had the same one. We were we were. I was a cheesy chicken roll guy. Oh yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if that it's was like your, your big brother. brother. Oh yeah, it's my yeah. too. Yeah, do they need to know what cheesy chicken rolls are? They're a, they're a delicacy. Yeah, uh, you can. I mean, the name basically covers it. It does pretty much cover every ingredient. Yeah, imagine a cre- imagine a crescent roll filled with yeah. chicken and cheese, and yeah. you got it. You're there. <laughs> you make them for yourself very often. No, I never do. I was just crazy. You should. I'm they're an adult. So I make. can do whatever. I, I can you cook could. whatever I want. You could cook whatever you want. It's insane to me. I don't know. I don't know why I don't. I like. I think Sometimes, I like it more when it makes it for me. Someone makes it for me. Yeah, that's probably. <laughs> it it, that's probably. It makes me feel like a kid again. <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes I remember I can buy cereal. Yeah, I have that experience. Day, like once a month. The other day, I, re- I remembered that I could buy pop tarts. Not when I was yeah. actually in the process of buying food, just like later. But I was, I was like, I think I was standing in the kitchen with Emily. I was like, you know what? Let's get some pop tarts next time. What's your go-to yeah. pop tart flavor? 
I am a strawberry guy. Yeah, I, me too. It's like we're related. This is crazy. Yeah. This is so serendipitous. What else? What, what, <laughs> what else could, What else do we have in common? Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, we didn't we didn't tell people that we're gonna see you and I are gonna be in the same vicinity next well, not this oh, weekend, yeah. but the weekend Dude, after. Brothers brothers we- weekend. Yeah. Brothers trip. He's, brothers we didn't trip. Do one last year, right? Or did we? We did. We did we went to Pennsylvania. 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 Yep. Yeah, yeah. You flew here and we drove together. Yeah. Oh yeah, because that was the first workshop that I gave for my current client project. Yeah, one day. year That's in. That's why we had to leave a little later. Yep. So this time we're going to southeast South of Ohio. Columbus. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Because that then, is, you know, the destination location for all uh-huh. sorts of uh, you know, meaningful travel. That's what all the hot travel bloggers are saying. That people are people are really sleeping on South of Columbus. Yeah. And we're heading exactly. there. Exactly. No, we just picked it because it's mostly central for folks. It's not like we do much on this Brothers Weekend that involves the actual location. No. It's We're pretty like um, homebodies. Like a decent Airbnb. I'm stoked about this one. You see some this of this? This one's stuff cool. Hot, yeah. hot tub. Uh, yeah. Ping pong. Yeah. Those are the two things. A TV cool. this time. <laughs> yeah. A TV. We didn't have a TV last time. It's giant. This We should have invited. We should have more brothers. Yeah. Because this, this, this Airbnb is too big for, for five. Emily tried to invite herself and I tried to explain to her, this is Brothers Weekend. Yeah. No it's literally in the name. It's yeah. in the name. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's a pretty fixed she wants group. To do, she wants to do like a sister-in-law weekend now. So yeah, well, I'm sure she can get that. She can go ahead and plan that herself. Don't and you know what? Try to get in on our brother's weekend. Yeah, and they can also choose to go to South of Columbus if they want to. Good <laughs> luck right. finding another Airbnb. We found the only yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are you? Uh, what are you most looking forward to? This is our, so. This is the third brother's weekend that we've done. How would you describe our first two brothers' weekends? First two brothers weekends, um, smelly. Uh, what? what? <laughs> I feel like we're all. I feel Are like we're gassy? gross, sir. Oh. Yeah, always. Um, yeah. You know what? They're 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 fun. It's when you talk about being on a cruise and like not having to think about things. It's usually like yeah. three days of getting to just play board games and snack and eat and you know go on like one hike and like do a little bit of walking around. Yeah. But otherwise, you don't have to do anything, and it's it's. I'm very much looking forward to it. Last time it's we did great. a semi-legitimate hike. The first yeah. one, we just did a very early walk down the street to the beach, which was very caught cool. the sunrise. You caught, we the, caught sunrise. the sunrise. That's, right. That's what we were trying to do. Pictures from that. Yeah, we, we all we wanted to do was catch the sunrise. And, and last we time we, end. last time, last year, we knew that we were going to do some cool hiking, and apparently that fell on deaf ears with one brother who showed up in slip-on shoes, and we went to go on that hike that was like a moderate hike, but was beautiful. Yeah along this river and everything. And we had to abandon him because he was wearing was slip-on shoes. And his, yes. His feet That's, hurt too bad. And the thing is, you would think, hearing Eddie that brother. story and knowing brothers, you, who, you would think it's Louis. <laughs> yeah. The Louis I would think pack. Louis was, would show up in, in, in slip-on shoes. But no, Louis was prepared. He was ready to go. He yeah. Went he was like a Boy Scout. Farthest. Yeah. He was like a Boy Scout. Nate over here, Mr. The one with two children was the most unprepared. Yeah, he was sitting, had to sit on a bench, swing his feet while we had to <laughs> wait for us to come back because his feet hurt. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's some hiking of some sort around if we wanted to do it. But this year he Maybe. comes more prepared. Maybe but this is, we'll this see is later probably. in the year, though. So it might be cold. It is. That's okay. We're Michigan boys. We can handle a little cold. All right. But you're right. We'll probably sit in the hot tub and play board games. Yeah. Mostly. Play some can jam. Play some can jam. Which more, right. What more could you want? No, nothing more. 
That's it. Yeah. All right. I've got a crock pot dinner. I need to go finish. All right. Cool. Talk to you later. See ya. Peace. Oh, we did it.